I mean, imagine Mr. Smith, your history teacher in 11th grade, teaching, announcing this. Just imagine like, okay, good job with that Gilded Age unit. Nice job on Grover Cleveland. But next week, we begin our three-week unit on the fractal nature of creation and how this relates to your soul and your journey toward noetic transformation. See you Monday. Yeah, that's not real congruent with a multiple choice bubble exam. Hello and welcome to yet another edition. Why are we talking about rabbits? That's this one, this pod, you're tuned in. This is history, philosophy, theology. This is all that stuff wrapped into a conversation. I'm looking for producers. Where are these guys? Andrew, you're there. Give me a thumbs up in Russia. Yeah, we're going to do this live. Um, The interwebs, guys, they're not always, you know, these New World Light people, we, we've got to encourage them to do better. Apparently, we can't speak to Russia. Like, just imagine 100 years ago thinking I was going to speak to Russia. This is Watar. This is episode 69. Today, we talk about success, old world, new world, and something called the love metric on Watar. All right, people, you're, turn, you're tuned into the First Things Foundation John Hears, Why Are We Talking About Rabbits podcast. Today we're going to talk about success. I think it's something all of us want. I want it. That's why I put on my longshoreman hat today. If you can't see me, if you listen on the um, vocal webs, if you're listening on the audio webs, then I'm wearing what amounts to a longshoreman French-looking hitman hat. Because of success. Because I believe this will bring me success. Andrew, when you look at me right now as the producer far away, and you're thinking, yeah, he nailed it. He nailed success. What's the sound you would play for me right now? Play it right now. Success. That's the one. It's Longshoreman Hat Success. I wanna I wanna thank uh, all of, I want to thank my uh, producer and uh, wardrobe people for this choice today because I feel successful. And let's be honest, success in these parts, these parts we call the new world, you know, it kind of looks like that. It looks like something you do to make yourself feel better, look better, and move about with a sense of dignity. That's what I'm going with. I'm also going with a recent article from Quartz Magazine by Suzanne Gillette. And in this article in Quartz Magazine, Suzanne Gillette, the author, wonders if success can be known using something called the love metric. Which is, again, why I wore this hat. Because let's be honest, a lot of people think this hat is sexy. Suzanne Gillette, the author of the Love Metric article I'm referring, you can find it in our pod notes. Well, she's actually not looking at my hat. She's looking at somebody or someone called the Novo Foundation and their initiative to try to measure things in the nonprofit world according to something they call a love metric. The Novo Foundation was founded by Warren Buffett's son. Well, by Warren Buffett, who gave him a billion dollars to start a foundation. This is a world that I'm not aware of. Well, I'm aware of it. I just don't live in it. You don't either, probably. 
But in that world, they have to figure out how to measure success. And so Warren Buffett's son, and actually Warren Buffett's son's sister, so that Warren Buffett's daughter, all three of them went in on this concept that you can measure success with love. Does love count, therefore, when measuring success? The author of the article about Novo Foundation is doubtful. She wonders aloud, actually, in the article, if love can be defined. Quote, so if love is not the opposite of numbers, what is it? To institutionalize love, she says, or to create a movement around it as the Buffets are trying to do, it's important to first define it, love, and then determine why it matters to philanthropy. In this way, the Buffets' attempt falls short. They don't define love specifically. Unquote. The author of the article about this new metric in starting things creative, the love metric, the author of the article says, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think you can do that. So one of my first takeaways is, wait a minute, the Buffets don't define love specifically? Right on. Right on. Thumbs up. Cha-ching. Bing, bam, cha-ching. Yes, thank God. I mean, we're talking about love. So that's really not going to come with a definition like that, specifically for right the parameters of her Quartz Magazine article. On the other hand, doesn't it seem sensible to ask about love when it comes to giving money and investing in businesses? And like, can you really create a metric for success that way? It's sensible to wonder. I mean, every businessman raised on the American teat right now is going, yeah, no, just show me the bottom line. So it does seem that if you're going to try to measure goodness, maybe love can get in there and maybe there should be a measurement for love. I mean, look at Mother Teresa. She's employing love to help all of the poor, sick folks that she helped during her life. And you would think that her employment of love in the duty of serving others might leave some love in its wake, right? So there is an argument for that. If your work doesn't leave some love behind, then maybe there's not much of a point to it. So can we measure love? And shouldn't we try? Peter Buffett says, yes, let's try. And you know what? I think it's commendable. And I think First Things thinks it's a thing. But how should such a measurement look? So let's go with this. Here's, here's, here's one way it should look. A successful project should a successful business should, a successful life should increase love and decrease hate. Oh, I'm sticking to that. A successful business can and maybe should measure success by saying, quote, hey, look, we increased love and decreased hate. Yes. I think that's something like success. Of course, what difference does it make what I think? But. Let's keep going. 
Shouldn't any act of creation increase joy and decrease unnecessary suffering? It seems like a a successful project should transform lives toward love and away from, I don't know, despair. And what if we said the only true way to measure an increase in joy and a decrease in suffering, a decrease in badness, the only way to measure this was to employ the part of us that now I'm going to call the noose. What's a noose? If you're asking that, that's a good question because, yeah, no, it's not like a rope, okay? Yikes. The hell kind of podcast is this? Wait a minute. The way to measure a loving project is with a noose? Not that noose. No. I'm talking about noose as in the way the Greeks pronounced it. Ancient Greeks alike with not so ancient Byzantine Greeks. Yeah, I'm referring to the noose, an ancient Greek concept and a very old world reality that turns up in many texts throughout time and across cultures. Gregory Palamas, a 13th century theologian, he writes of the noose, and he calls it that faculty in us akin to an spiritual eye. A spiritual eye. For Palamas and many Eastern Christian thinkers, the noose recognizes light and conducts light into the darkness. It does both. It is that part of us which perceives the good or which perceives God. And it's not the rational part of us. It's not thought. It's not the thought of the enlightened philosophers. Not at all. It's a much more mm, complex but more powerful part of us an actual part of us. It's with the noose that human beings acquire true knowledge, not simply scientific knowledge. That's the concept here. And I think it is the best measuring stick for good, for love. And so, well, the old world thought so too, for the most part. I'm speaking on behalf of billions and billions of people, of course. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't do that. But you know what I'm saying. The culture of the old world that we're talking about here, they definitely had some of this in it. Now, it was very different depending on which religion, which set of, how should we say, ligaments, which set of worldviews you were using. Because some did not honor the individual in the same way as others. But as a whole, they all believed there was something transcendent about us. And for Palamas and the Greek East Orthodox Christian culture, it was an essential, if not the essential part of us. Yeah, it was the way the old world measured success on a lot of levels. Because they asked the question, what would God see in me? And what would he find my eye was capable of seeing in him? In other words, if the light comes in and goes out through the noose, God knows me. Because God is the light. And so, how well have I done at keeping my eye healthy, polished up, and prepared to see and be seen? The noose. 
If you'd like to read more about the noose, by the way, check out our links to writings of Gregory of Nyssa. He writes a book called The Life of Moses. Or check out Metropolitan Vlakos and his writings on psychotherapy and the noose. You can find them in our show notes, the links, the books. Uh, this is cool stuff. And if you're a Western Christian, it's not just cool, okay? It's actually the heritage that so many of Western Christians played on, took from. The problem is, is they also buried a lot of this. So check it out. But let's take a minute more on the news so we can, I don't know, think more about what success looks like. One way to understand the noose is as the eye of the soul. So, what's an eye? The eye is a perceptive faculty. It perceives. It takes things in. It doesn't do things. It perceives things. So, the idea is your soul has an eye. Right? And in the old world understanding of things, your soul knows according to that eye. It sees according to that eye. The noose. As a cat named St. Thalassios the Libyan, first of all, with my hat on, I'm sort of like a Libyan. I'd like you to note that, Andrew. Like, put a check mark next to this part of this text, my, my pod right now. I'm like John the Libyan. But I'm quoting from St. Thalassos, the Libyan. Here's what he says. Quote, the noose is the perceptive capacity to attain knowledge of God himself. Whoa. The perceptive capacity. In old world Christianity, the noose in us is the same thing as the noose in an angel. Whoa. Humans, me and you, are equal to the angels in that we both share a noose. So we have reason, noose, and sensory perception. This follows the idea that a man is a microcosm of an expression of all of creation. We are what reality is, what the cosmos contains. We contain within ourselves reason, spirit, and body, which is exactly what it makes up the cosmos. Right. That notion is essentially the notion of Trinity. God is Trinitarian in the old world Christian calculus. And since God is Trinity, and he's not Trinity because people said so, it's Trinity because reality so reflects it. You see, you see in creation a type of reason, a type of spiritual transcendence in all of things. All things seem to be more than what they are, and you see bodies, you see physical reality. So the notion is essentially the notion of the Trinity. God is Trinitarian in the old world Christian calculus, and guess what? Therefore, mankind is Trinitarian. We are Trinity, three parts, like him. We, like him, are three in one. Gregory of Palamas, he says it like this. God created human beings as noose, word, and spirit, and thus is his soul three parts. Noose, word, and spirit. Word being logos, a type of reason, right? Isn't that interesting? Spirit being that which transcends, and noose being the eye that allows it all to happen. Think fractal, right? What our soul is, we are. 
And what we are, the cosmos is. And what the cosmos is, God is in its fullness, in his fullness. Holy smokes, if you think about that. Wait a minute. What our soul is, we are. And what we are, the cosmos is. And what the cosmos is, God is. Wow. And so in its fullest expression, right, God is in cosmos, in us, and yet apart from us. I mean, this is old world stuff, man. This is all this spiritual world that everyone's always talking about now as the postmodern world starts to, I don't know, be born out of modernism, right? And it's stuff that's not exactly taught at Harvard these days. Yeah, and definitely not at Main Street High School. I mean, imagine Mr. Smith, your history teacher in 11th grade, TG, uh, announcing this. Just imagine like, okay, good job with that Gilded Age unit. Nice job on Grover Cleveland. But next week, we begin our three-week unit on the fractal nature of creation and how this relates to your soul and your journey toward noetic transformation. See you Monday. Yeah, that's not real congruent with a multiple choice bubble exam. <laughs> it's just funny. It's also sad. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad that Mr. Smith wouldn't say any of those things. Wouldn't it be cool if he said those things? Yeah. But before we do more sad things, perhaps, let's do a happy thing. Can we take a break for a second? Play, play the music. A quick ad on behalf of First Things Foundation. Brunus Charles, Georgia Hears, and Seth Rahman with his group Hilltop. These are musicians. Brunus in Los Angeles. Georgia practicing her craft in New York City. Seth in Chicago with his band. They're all going to offer up their sweet time for our FTF Benefit Concert Saturday, December 4th. Join us. 5 p.m. Cafe Nutrients. All proceeds, all of them, go to our work in the field and our work with Health and Help, our co-sponsor. Yes, they're our sister medical team working in Central America. We love them. They are badass. Health and Help First Things Foundation. Sponsoring a concert. Tickets start at $25. Get, get them on our website, www.first-things.org. You should go. And if you don't like music, wait a minute. If you don't like music, that sucks. Everybody likes music. If you don't like music, then come and eat food. Because you have to like food. If you don't like food, then you die. And we have a way to fix your death. Come to our restaurant opening in Greenville, South Carolina, the first of the year. We'll be sure to tell you the exact opening, but be ready. Trust me, stuff's popping in there. We just built out the bar and the kitchen today. Yep, we're going to build a sustainable income restaurant hospitality shop called KP. It's our goal. You come and eat there, and then that helps us go work with folks to help them build their dreams for a better tomorrow. www.firstthings.org if you want to contribute to that opening. You want to lend your talents? You want to lend a little, a few dollars out of your pocket? www.first-things.org Back to the show, Andrew. And back to the notion of success. And, uh, well, the new world and the old world. So, 
If you really think about it, isn't New World Success something that's a little different than, say, the Neoetic conversation we had, the conversation about the noose we were just having? Doesn't it kind of boil down this New World Success to something like numeric growth? Isn't modern New World Success ultimately measured like, I mean, like measured, like a measuring cup? Isn't there a measuring cup involved? Like one with, you know, little like numbers on it. Isn't there a way to measure success almost always that sort of boils down to some kind of metrics, you know, like saber metrics in baseball? And isn't that measurement almost always done by the mind, by what Palamas, who I talked about earlier, 13th century cat, he refers to that mind as the rational mind. I mean, aren't you more successful in the new world because you made more money as measured on a spreadsheet? Like more money this year means I'm more successful this year? I don't think I'm saying anything crazy. It's kind of a duh. Duh. So in that way, can we say that the new world has, I don't know, muscled up and drilled down on the notion that what is successful is what can be measured by the rational mind? I'm not saying crazy things, am I? Think of a brand new school building. Don't people in the new world sort of take two steps away from such a new thing? Sigh, happy. <sighs> and then say something like success. Don't we kind of do that? Don't we see the material, measure the material, mediate it, and then go, bingo, winner. Look, the school was A-rated. Last year, 48% of the kids scored yada yada on the big important bubble sheet exam, but this year they scored 51% on that same big bubble sheet exam. And guess what? A-plus school rating, bam, in the house. Come to our school, we went from 48% to 51%. Don't, don't we do this? I really, I'm not saying it's bad, but isn't that what it is that we do? I think it's safe to say that in the new world we have perfected, or nearly so, the part of us that judges, measures, and mediates. We've nearly perfected our rational faculties. And I know some of you are going, I don't add so good. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's, that's just that you can add, okay, is kind of a a wonder in the history, full history of human life. That wasn't always something that somebody did. It's a way of thinking. It's a literally a way of being in your mind. And we've come in the West pretty close to perfecting. I mean, most of us do this. And in so doing, we've created a new type of success focused on the notion of consuming information in order to perceive value. Mm -hmm. And all of it, all of this perception is mediated through the part of us called rational. Not bad. Just trying to get some things on the ground floor here as we build. So in the old world, the inclination toward bulking up the noose, that inclination was very different than the new world inclination of bucking up and bulking up. The mind, that's what, reason. See, the old world inclination was toward creating culture with noetic gymnasiums on every corner. Yeah. Whether it be Buddhist temples, Hindu ashrams, these things were everywhere. 
monasteries in Byzantium. I mean, monks, I was just in Ethiopia, not just, but I was in Ethiopia and all you saw were monks on corners giving blessings. Like they're everywhere. That was the old world gymnasium for the noose. Yeah, that inclination has withered up. I mean, most of us have like Hulk-sized minds and pencil-necked nerdy little nooses. And well, when that's how we look on the inside, that's kind of how we tend to measure success on the outside. We are disillusioning ourselves. We are confusing ourselves and trying to say that reality right, should look like and be measured by what's inside of me, which is this little nerdy pencil-necked noose. In other words, we don't use it to judge success in reality. Hmm. Yeah. I think we've mistaken the reality of who we are, right? The reality of who we are, this is who I am for reality. And part of the reality of who we think we are is a pencil-necked, nerdy little noose. If there's even one at all. It's pinky in the brain, man. With all of us being the brain. I don't know. I don't even think it's sad. I, it's just like, it's like a report from the edge. A report from the spiritual edge. We're making reality in our own image. And our image of success has followed. In other words, our measurement, our criteria for success has followed. Big brains build big brawny stuff and lots of it. And I think that's the origin of consumerism. We believed, long before we were making tons of stuff, we believed we should get lots of stuff as a sign of success. Right? You can look into William James and his whole idea of the Protestant work ethic and how this all turned into capitalism. Now, I don't know if it's all true, but I know it kind of makes sense to me. So I'm not saying numbers don't matter. That stuff has no place. I'm saying stuff matters. Numbers matter, right? I am saying that. Numbers matter in the way that numbers matter. A 3% increase in disposable income, if that is one of the stated goals of your project, of your nonprofit program, of your business, then you should go for that 3% increase. But what if that 3% increase results in 10% increase in cocaine use? Let's say that now you have a lot of people with more money and they all are doing cocaine. Well, I'm sorry, your project failed. Well, it failed to increase love, joy, and it was really good at increasing despair, ugliness, hate. Because generally, you don't want a bunch of people on cocaine. Now, look. If failure is just failure. It's not like it's a big jerk thing. People do this. What I'm saying is that in order to judge the efficacy of any charitable donation, of any business venture, of any human adventure, we must use our noetic faculties. And in order to do this, we must, first of all, believe they exist. How about that one? Second, you got to make sure that you're in relationship with the spirit of good. You got to make sure your eye is clean so you can see. And that means you got to develop loving relationships with others because they help you to clean your noose, the thing that lets the light in. That's part of what they're supposed to do. A successful outcome cannot be known any other way, in my humble opinion. 
The human soul, therefore, if this all follows, is both the goal of and the measuring tool for success. In this way, uh, I think we FTF people applaud the Novo Foundation's attempt to create a new metric, which, of course, is anything but new. It's not new. Love is as old as a human being, right? Love is as old as, well, it's not even human nature. It's divine nature. Oh, they're the same. In some ways, Novo need not invent a new metric. They need only order or reorder the importance of this thing I am calling the noose. They just need to engage the core, the noose. Therein, all the metrics necessary for success will be found. And that, that, that feels like a toast. Gogimarjos. 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 That's Georgian. Gogimarjos means to you the victory. It's the big word around this place. Gogimarjos. Because it's not just about like, hey, yeah, you won. It's about you are of winning. You are of overcoming the darkness. Victory. Man, we got to have it, especially in these, these days of darkness. Because they're weird days, man. Maybe that's a whole nother comment. Where's Uncle Seth? Gagi Marjos to you. May your days be filled with light. That's it from Watar today. Andrew Schwark is on the other end producing this bad boy. Daniel Paternos helps him. And Daniel does a lot. It's brought to you by First Things Foundation. That's our nonprofit. Check us out at www.first-things.org. Hey, support our concert. Well, support us by going to our concert and jamming out. Support us by coming and eating some food. Think about ways that you can take 2022 and make it into a pledge year. And then just come hang out with us because we want you to take a journey with us. We're fighting through COVID somehow. Still alive, still going, man. Share Watar with your friends. Hit us up with solid reviews on iTunes and everywhere you get your podcast. Your love for us allows us to love and serve others. Hasta luego. Au revoir. Jusqu'à la prochaine fois. Peace out.